first page there, I'll read the first three verses of Matthew chapter 7, 21, 22, and 23. Verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Good afternoon, everybody. It's wonderful to be here today. That was awesome music that we had this morning. Thank you, Jacob, for leading it. And for Tom for stepping in wherever he is. And Miss Alice for finishing the music this morning. It's wonderful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for such an awesome day outside today. It's such a beautiful autumn day. And Lord, you created everything and you gave us a good day to enjoy. And Lord, that your word would be manifested today. We're going to be looking at a very important topic for all believers and non-believers. Lord, that you would guide my tongue, guard it so that I would only say words in grace and in love that bring glory to your kingdom. We love you, Jesus. Please forgive the sin in my life that this word would not be hindered, that you would bless each and every soul here today. And for any listener who has not received you as King, Lord, and Savior of their soul and of their mind and their heart, that even today would be the day of salvation for them. We ask all of this in your name, Jesus. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at a very important topic. This is a continuation from the past couple of weeks where we've been looking at several verses in the Sermon on the Mount. And today, as Jacob read, we're looking at Matthew in chapter 7, three verses today. Verses 21, 22, and 23. And the title for this message is The Eternal Damnation by Christ Jesus, of all false professing Christians. What's significant about this is these verses deal with people who call Jesus at the judgment seat, Lord, Lord. So this is not really addressing somebody who might be a Muslim, where he would never call Jesus Lord. He would just consider him a man, a prophet. Or say a Buddhist. They might not even know who Jesus Christ is. And you can go through all of the great religions. This is not speaking to somebody who's in that religion. This is talking and speaking directly to somebody who today calls themselves a Christian. But they really are not a Christian. Their testimony is false. And when they stand before the Lord, he knows who's in his family. And he knows who is not his child. Think about your own families. How many of you have had children in your life? I don't know all of your backgrounds, but lots of hands are going up. And we all have parents, of course. So we know our parents, we know our children, we know our cousins, and in many cases, our extended family. We know who is our blood, who is our direct relative. Don't you think Jesus also knows who his brother is, who the Father in heaven knows who is his child of God? Of course he does. So at the judgment seat, the people who came to him in the spirit of guile and call him Lord, he's going to separate from them because he truly is not their father. So let's look at some of these verses in detail. At the top, you'll see that there's a quote from George Swinnick. He was a Puritan. 
So he lived several hundred years ago, but he, he wrote a very pointed point here. He says, there are many men like ponds, clear at the top and mud at the bottom, fair in their tongues, but foul in their hearts. How many of us have gone fishing? I know my son, he loves to fish, Josiah. And I've taken him to many ponds, especially we've gone to every pond in the area and in several lakes in different states. And when you walk to a pond or a small lake, you can see down a certain depth. Depending on the clarity, you can see from six inches to several feet. But at the bottom of the pond, as it gets more and more murky, you end up in mud. For a non-believer, George Swinnick is giving this example. He's saying, there are many men that are like these ponds. They're clear at the top. They look good. They look refreshing, but they're mud at the bottom. They're fair in their tongues. They speak many good things, but fall in their hearts. They're not acceptable before God. All right, so let's look at Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. So the first point we're going to look at today is false professing Christians will not do the will of God the Father. They do not do God's will. So really that begs the question, what is God's will? Because as a Christian, don't we want to know what God's will is so that we can do his will and be found not only acceptable, but that we will become a gemstone in his kingdom. So let's look at Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 to 39. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We want to look at God's will. He's saying, love me with all your strength, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he's saying, also, love your neighbor as you love yourself. We know that this is part of God's will. Let's look at Mark 3.35. This verse says, For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you do the will of God, you become his brother or his sister. Notice he doesn't say father because his father's in heaven. But all of us become brothers with Christ. When we become saved, he sticks closer than a brother. We become a joint heir with Christ. We become a child of Abba the Father. We become close in the family. Let's look at Romans 12 too. This verse says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Children have these transformer toys. They start out like as a car and you can pick them up and manipulate the hands and the different parts of it and it turns into a robot. That's kind of a picture in the spirit world. We need to be transformed. We need to be born again. We need to be quickened through the power of the Holy Spirit. This verse says, be not conformed to the world. Too many people today are caught up in the ways of the world. We need to get outside of that traction that pulls us into the world. The music, sometimes it's our friends, the people at work, our hobbies, our interests have to be taken out of the world and they have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Only the Holy Spirit can transform and renew your mind. Once you're saved, you become a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
that we, as a child of God, may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Everything God does is perfect. He has a perfect will. He also has a preordained perfect will for each one of us. Of course, when we sin, we're outside of God's will. And prior to our date of salvation, we're outside of God's will. But once we become saved, we can step into God's will and we can start to follow him as a child of God. Let's look at the top of page 2. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. Wherefore, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Capital S, the Holy Spirit. So this verse is teaching us, don't be unwise, don't be foolish, but learn, understand what the will of the Lord is. This verse is saying you can understand what God's will for your life is. And it gives the comparison, be not drunk with wine. There are many people that are alcoholics. That's the type of a sin. And God is giving this example. We need to be sober in the world and be not drunk with wine. And the wine represents the world. We can be drunk with many things in the world. We can get caught up in football, for example, or sports. We can get caught up in our job. We can get caught up in hobbies, going fishing when you should be in church. Don't be caught up in the world, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozer said that we have as much God in our life as we want. And that's really a serious statement. How much God do you want in your life? It's up to you. You're the one who prevents the Holy Spirit from being more active in your life. It's up to us individually to allow God to work in our life. Ephesians 5, 19 and 20, the next two verses. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Miss Alex, in the 80 plus years that you've been playing the piano, you have literally played hundreds of thousands of songs. Was there ever an occasion when you were walking around on the street and you had a melody going through your heart, through your mind, through your soul? When I wake up in the morning. Amen. And you know what? You're obeying this command. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's the attitude God wants us to have all day long. We don't need to be listening to rock music or rap songs that are evil, that really destroy the soul. The example of Miss Alice. Have that spiritual song in your heart and your soul that's uplifting to you and it brings you closer to the Lord. And so many of those songs, they really are strong in theology. Read the verses sometimes. Pick up a hymnal in your devotions and read the verses. It's awesome. The theology just jumps out of the page at you. Ephesians 6.6 6, Not with eye service or men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God with the heart. We were discussing this verse this morning in the children's Bible class at school, and I said, well, when the teacher walks out of the room, does it get crazy in the room sometimes? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, as soon as the teacher walks in, does it get nice and quiet? Oh, yeah, it does. 
Well, this verse says, not with eye service as men pleasers. That's kind of an example of somebody who pleases men. When the boss is on the job, they're doing the job great. Boss leaves the room and it's a different story. But as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. When I tell my children to do something, especially when they were little, you know, there's ways you obey. And part of obeying is doing it immediately. And it's doing what was told you to do. But the most important thing is you do it with a good attitude. My children can take the garbage can out and be complaining all the way down to the road and back. That's not obeying. That's having a bad attitude. God says here that we do his will from the heart. Put your heart into the will when you're serving God. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 For this is the will of God. Can it be any clearer? This is the will of God. The verse says this is the will of God. Who goes to heaven? The people that do God's will. This is what we're talking about in this verse. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is a daily purifying process where we push out the worldly things, where we draw nigh unto God and allow him to draw nigh unto us. It's a process in life, and it's a continual endeavor. It's something that we never finish. We will always be working on our sanctification until the day we go home. But this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. That's the rest of the verse. And many of the versions of the Bible, they don't even call fornication fornication. They call it sexual immorality. And that's like taking coffee and pouring a gallon of water in it, and you just got distilled. Who wants to drink that kind of coffee? That's what the Word of God is. They're distilling that. Fornication is any sex outside of marriage. Any. That's what God says. Abstain from that. Abstain means don't do it. All right, the next two, two verses, 1 Thessalonians 4, 5, and 6, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, your vessel is your body, in sanctification and honor. People that get drunk, they're not honoring their body. People who take drugs, they're not honoring their body. That you know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Now, concupiscence, that's a big word. And if you look at the next line in Greek, it means epithomia. It's a longing, especially for what that is forbidden. Concupiscence means you want something that God forbids. And it's a strong sexual desire or something you lust after. All right, let's look at the next verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet... The hope of salvation. This is speaking to Christians. We are of the day. We are of the light. God is light and in him is no darkness. The children of the devil are of the darkness. They hate light. We are the children of the day. We are the children of the light. We are children of God. He says be sober. That means be tempered in all things. It's not necessarily saying don't go drink alcohol. Although you shouldn't do that. Because <laughs> you wouldn't stay sober. But be sober in all the things that we do. Have a grace and a balance in everything that we do. Don't do anything too extreme, maybe except for praying. God would want you to be an extreme prayer warrior. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath. We're not going to be judged under the wrath. The lost, will they're reaping wrath against the day of wrath. We are not under wrath as a Christian, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Here again, the Bible is very specific. This is the will of God. Give thanks in everything. Does that mean you give thanks when you have a health issue? Yes. Does that mean you give thanks when you have a money issue or an emotional issue? Yes. It just doesn't mean you give thanks when somebody gives you a Christmas present. We have to give thanks in all things because God is in control of all things. Whatever he allows into our life, he allowed it. We have to give thanks. Sometimes we have a lesson to learn in that process. But we have to ask God, open my spiritual eyes so I know exactly what's going on here. 1 John 2.17 And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So the verse is saying, who gets into heaven? They that do the will of God. This verse says, whoever does the will of God, they abide forever. They live forever. They have eternal life. They're a child of God. They will go to heaven when they die. That's a promise. When God says it, we can take that promise to the bank. It will never fail us. You must like the preaching. <laughs> 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. This verse is teaching us it's God's will that we submit to the powers that be. And just like we have to pay our taxes, we have to drive the speed limit, children, submit yourselves, honor your parents. They have, they're under the authority of their, of their parents. Even a, a child is known by his doings. So an eight-year-old that has siblings that are three or four or five years old, he is leading them by example. And we discussed that again in the children's church this morning. I emphasized to those children that are 9, 10, and 11, and 12, they are leading their little brothers and sisters. They are setting an example. Make sure it's a godly example. 1 Peter 2.15, For so is the will of God. Again, very clear. So is the will of God. That with well-doing, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. All of us have a testimony. Everybody in this room, eyes are on you during the week. And you don't have to go and paste a, a card across your forehead that says, I'm a Christian. They should be able to tell by your lifestyle that you're a Christian. And the way you serve people, the way you talk to people, your attitude, your countenance, it ought to be reflecting the love of God. And this verse is saying that you may put to silence the ignorance of the foolish men. Who are the foolish people in God's Bible? God says, the fool that is said in his heart, there is no God. But actually, a clean translation, the King James Version, they add is. So that verse actually reads in Hebrew, the fool has said in his heart, no God. You see the rebellion? The fool says to God, no. Just like sometimes children say to their parents, no. Or to the teacher, no. That fool has said in his heart, no God, I'm not going to do what you say. This verse says you will put to silence those ignorant, foolish people through your testimony. Not even saying a word in many cases. 1 Peter 4, 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his life in the flesh in the lusts of men, but to do the will of God. 
if God doesn't want us to live in the lusts of the flesh, but to do the will of God, living in the lusts of the flesh is not God's will. That's what this verse is making clear to us. Let's look at the top of page 3. 1 Peter 4.19 Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. This verse is saying, let them that suffer according to the will of God. God is going to bring situations in our life where we suffer. Those people who are living in the Middle East where ISIS is going to chop their head off today, God is allowing suffering in their lives. It's to his will. But look at to commit the keeping our souls to him in well-doing. Even when we go through a period of suffering, God wants us to do well. Don't you know God is going to reward you in heaven for that? How short is life? Three score and ten. Our life is but a vapor. It appears for a little time and then it's gone. But eternity goes forever. Forever. And the little bit of suffering that we do, when we're before the throne of God, we're going to think, oh, I wish I would suffer for your kingdom more, Lord. Because look at all the riches in eternity you've given for that little bit of suffering I did for you. The second point today, true Christians are saved through faith and not by works of righteousness. There's a difference between religious works-based systems, all the major religions of the world are works-based, and simple faith where Jesus did it all, we can't do anything. And we accept through faith, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and there's nothing we can do in the presence of God that he will find acceptable except that the blood atonement covers our sin. Then we're found acceptable in the sight of God. But God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that all of us should be saved. All right, let's look at Matthew 7, 22. Many will say, remember Jesus in these verses in the Sermon on the Mount, he's always contrasting many with few. Many being billions of people and few perhaps a hundred million. We don't know. But there are many that go into perdition and only a few that go into heaven. And now he's narrowing it down. Forget about the masses of the world. The people who are Muslim and Islam and Buddhist and Hinduism and all of those. He's talking about people here who say they're Christians. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? That's preach. In your name cast out devils. They're calling on Jesus' name to cast out a devil. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Many times serving the Lord in his name. But look at some of the notes here. Do you notice in this verse, these people when they're speaking, they're self-centered? They're boasting about their works. Their religion is works-based. They have no faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And this is a false salvation. Let's look at some of the verses that explain why this is a false salvation. Isaiah 35, 8, the first half of the verse. And a highway shall be there, and a way. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. There is a way. Jesus is the way. And when we enter through the straight gate, we have to stay on that narrow way. Jesus is the way. And that is the way, the highway of holiness. And God says, no unclean shall pass over this highway. Only the Christian is allowed to go on this highway. Because this highway is the pathway into heaven. 
Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Many of us have memorized these two verses. For by grace are you saved through faith. Through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. You don't have to work for this. It's a gift. And not of works, lest any man should boast. 1 John 2, 3. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Does Jesus know you today? Do you know him? This verse is very simple. If you keep his commandments, he knows you and you know him. If you don't keep his commandments, you're lying to yourself. You have a spirit of guile and deceit. And your heart is really being fooled by your own pride. Hereby we know him if we keep his commandments. 1 John 2, 4 and 5. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know we, that we are in him. How is the love of God perfected? The day we're saved. The day we're saved, we enter into the kingdom of God. The love is perfected for everybody who comes into the kingdom. 1 John 3.14 We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Remember Jesus says, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he also says, love your neighbor as yourself. This one says, here's how we know we've passed from death unto life in the spirit world. How do we know we're born again? How do we know we've been quickened by the Holy Spirit? Because we love the brethren. The brethren are other Christians. We are to witness to the lost, but our first priority is to serve the brethren, the body of Christ. He that loves not his brother abides in death. If you don't have a desire to serve other Christians, to fellowship with other Christians, God says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. Part of being a Christian is a desire to be with other Christians. Iron sharpens iron. 1 John 5.10 He that believeth on the Son has the witness in himself, the Holy Spirit. He that believes not God has made him a liar, because he believes not the record that God gave of his Son. What this verse is teaching us is that this record that God gave his Son to us for eternal life, to be our Savior, this grace of God has appeared to all men. Nobody will be able to stand at the judgment seat and say, you didn't show yourself, you did not reveal your power to me. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This verse is saying, he that believes not God has made him a liar. The Bible says, God is true and all of us are liars. All of us in this room lie. If somebody said they didn't lie, they would be telling a lie. Because only God is true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if he's true, and he's the only way, and we try to go into heaven another way, like these people that are saying, Lord, Lord, they are the liars. Jesus is the truth. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. And this is the record that God has given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Does everybody in this room have the Son of God in their life today? Because this is the record. If you don't have Jesus living and breathing in your soul and your spirit, you don't bear record that he is God and you're not saved. 
But it can be so simple. Have a godly sorrow for your sins. Repent and come to the Lord. It's that simple. 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. God doesn't want us to live our life wondering if we're going to go to heaven or hell. God doesn't want us to torment ourselves like that, especially if you were on your deathbed and you didn't have blessed assurance as we sang this morning. God wants us to have this blessed assurance that we indeed are going to heaven. And this verse says it. These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may know for certainty that you have eternal life. Okay, the third point today, the last point is false professing Christians do not have a personal relationship with God. That's the problem. God doesn't know who they are. He knows all about them, but they don't have a personal relationship. I've given the example before. I can learn everything about President Trump, and I can drive all the way to Washington, D.C., go knock on the White House fence and buzz the button and say, Mr. Trump, can I come in and visit with you? The Secret Service will say, well, who are you? Well, I'm Jim, and I studied all about the president. And they'll ask the president, hey, do you know Jim? And Mr. President will go, no, I don't know who he is. Tell him to get out of here. And the Secret Service will say, leave, or we're going to arrest you. He doesn't know who you are. See, we can know all about God, but if he doesn't have a personal relationship from us, he's going to say to the Secret Service angels, hey, cast that soul into the lake of fire. Matthew seven twenty three. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work. This is in the present tense. You that work iniquity. These people are continuing in their ways of sin. Psalm 1.6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. God knows what, what path we're on if we're really on the way into eternal life. Let's go to the top of page 4. Psalms 5.5 5. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. A lot of people say God loves the sinner but hates the sin. There are many verses that say no. Until you're saved, God hates the sinner and hates the sin. See, the sin is just a manifestation. It's just what the sinner has done. The sinner is the cause of the sin. This verse says, The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest, thou hatest all workers of iniquity. You know, when in Romans it talks about Jacob and Esau, the two brothers. And it says, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. It's so simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Submit to God, resist the devil, come into the presence of the Lord. Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. These people who reject God, to go into the lake of fire, that's a curse. And God says these people are cursed, and they go into everlasting fire. This is a fire that will never burn out. Never, ever. Luke 13, 27. But he shall say, I tell you, I know not whence you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. No workers of iniquity. Iniquity means sin, transgression, violations of God's law, violations of the Ten Commandments. All 
will stand before God to be judged. And this one says, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Look at John 14, 15, very clear. If you love me, keep my commandments. And that doesn't mean keep your favorite seven commandments or eight commandments. This is all the commandments. Now, we all sin. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of us have pairs of jeans that become our favorites? And sometimes we even go, for example, do yard work in that jeans. Now, you wouldn't want to wear those same jeans out with your friends that night. You would throw it in the wash machine and clean them before you would wear them again. That's how simple it is. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And just like you wash your jeans in the wash machine, Jesus in the spirit world cleanses that sin off of us. And now we're again useful for his kingdom. John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. How many of us have people in our lives that are precious to us? And we love to share the love that they have for us. Many of you in this room, you have children and grandchildren, perhaps even great-grandchildren. My mom, she already has many great-grandchildren. We love to abide in the presence of the people we love. And God says here, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in his love. Don't we want to keep his commandments so that we're abiding in his love? Yes, amen. Romans 8.29 For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might, Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the verse that, the key verse here is Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. And this verse is saying, whom he did foreknow. See, Jesus isn't constricted by time. We're stuck on this Sunday afternoon in 2017. But when Jesus looks down from heaven, he sees all of eternity. He sees Adam and Eve in the same time and space that he sees us today, in the time, same time and space as he sees the destruction of this heaven and earth and the creation of the new heaven and earth. For God, there is no distinction of time. So God already knows which one of us are seated in the heavenlies with him today, even though we're still in the physical body. 1 Corinthians 8.3 says, But if any man love God, the same is known of him. The verse says, depart from me, I never knew you. This verse says, if any man loves God, the same is known of him. So if we love God, God's not going to say, depart from me, because we love God and we're in his love. But many people think they love God, but they don't keep his commandments. They're not doing his will. It's all kind of tied together. If we love somebody, don't we want to honor them and cherish them? and respect them. Think of your parents or your children or your spouse. That's the way love works. Love wants to give and share and build up. It doesn't want to tear down. 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knows them that are his. And let every one that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If we're naming Jesus as our God, Lord, and Savior today, if we're claiming to be a Christian, God says, depart from iniquity. Leave your sin. Leave it behind. All sins have baggage. How many of us would want to go on a trip and take the garbage bag with us? 
You laugh. It's like nobody would even think about taking their garbage bag with them on a trip somewhere. And yet, when we have sin in our life, in the spirit world, that's the baggage. That's the garbage. Don't take that with you. Just go to the Lord in love and leave the sin behind you. 2 Thessalonians 1.7 And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Some of us are troubled in this life. And some of us really wrestle, am I saved? Am I going to heaven? But if you keep his commandments, you will have assurance. And this verse says, And to you who are troubled with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, you have rest in the Lord. People wrestle with worry. And we should never worry in this life. Don't take that worry with you. Let the peace of God that passes all understanding Keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. God will take vengeance. The Bible says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. The Bible says, I will recompense. We're not supposed to get even with people. God will recompense. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. God will get vengeance on the people that know not God. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, and that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. That's the gospel. People that don't obey that are the ones who reject that gospel. They are confronted with the issue, you're a sinner and you're on your way to hell. Do you want to repent and come into the kingdom? And they say, no. No, God. And they reject it. It says, who shall be punished with everlasting punishment, everlasting destruction? They never die. You're never consumed in hell in the lake of fire. It says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. This is a thousand years after the thousand year reign. The beast and the false prophet were put in at the beginning of the thousand years, and the devil is at the end of the thousand years. And it says, Where the beast and the false prophet are in the continuing present tense. You will never be consumed in the lake of fire. With everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. See, when we get to heaven, we're going to rule with God. We have no idea what dominions he has. See, God is infinite in dimensions. He, every day for eternity, he could say, Mary or Joe or Sam, I'm going to show you a new dimension today. And he would never run out of dimensions. And we're going to rule with him. But the people in the lake of fire, they're separated from that power. They will have no enjoyment at all. Revelation 20, 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. God has a book of life. And everybody who goes to heaven, their name is in that book of life. And at the judgment seat, you're either going to stand before the Bema seat for rewards if your name is in the book of life. But if your name is not in the book of life, you will stand at the great white throne and you will be judged for the evil deeds you have done in your body. And then you will be cast into the lake of fire. This verse says, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 21, 27. 
and there shall in no wise enter into it. In other words, there shall in no way enter into it. A lot of times we say to somebody, well, do you want to do this? And they go, no way. Well, God says there's no way they will enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever works abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. I can't remember if it was last Monday or the Monday before, but there's a library in California. Did we discuss this this last week? Okay. There's a library in California, and on Monday, they allow the children in, and they have people, guests, that read the stories. And the children are five, six, seven, and eight years old. And on Monday, I saw this picture. It was so ungodly. There was a transsexual speaking to these little children who were all seated in front of him. And he was dressed like Satan. And he had horns, five horns coming out of him. So demonic. He was speaking to these little children about homosexual lifestyle and Satanism. God said, it would be better for you if you had a millstone tied around your neck and be cast into the deep, into the ocean, than to defile one of these little children. That is abominable in God's eyes. This verse says, whosoever works abomination will not come into the kingdom or makes a lie. Who comes into the kingdom? They which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now let's look at the last verse for today. He that is unjust. Well, we're all unjust. Every one of us is born a sinner. Because as Adam sinned, we're all born under his sin in the flesh. For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so that death passed upon all men, for we have all sinned. We're all unjust. However, the doctrine of justification, once we're saved, we're justified before God's throne. And a, a way to remember the doctrine of justification is just as if we never sinned. Justification means just as if we never sinned in the sight of God. This verse says, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. People, sometimes they think that if I was in hell for a million years... I could pay all the penalty for my sin. It doesn't work that way. Because the people that are in hell, they're continuing to sin. They're continuing to blaspheme. They're continuing to lust. This verse teaches us, he that is unjust, this is Revelation 22, the last chapter of the Bible, right before the end, and God closes the book. He that is unjust, let him be unjust. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. They will never stop being a sinner. Their obligation will continue to go up and up and up. They will never pay the penalty for their sin. Never, ever. And after a million years, they're going to have a bigger debt to God. They will never get out of the lake of fire. But look at the flip side. Let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. Once we enter into the kingdom, we're under God's blood. And once we die and come into the presence of the Lord, we have a glorified body. Or at the rapture, we will have a glorified body. And once we have a glorified body, it is impossible for us to sin. All that we will be doing then is enjoying the fellowship with Lord and for all the things he's prepared for us. We will not be able to sin. What a day that will be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these verses. We only looked at a couple of verses today, but they're so powerful. And Lord, if there's somebody in this room today, 
and they're saying, Lord, Lord, they've been acting as a Christian their whole life, but they have never come into the kingdom. They have never had a godly sorrow. They've never repented. They've never called upon you as God. They've never entered into your family as a child. Today, you don't know them in the spiritual world. Today, let today be the day of salvation. Boast not ourselves of tomorrow. We don't know what a day will bring forth. Let today be the day of salvation. Jesus, I thank you for this wonderful day. I thank you for the fellowship, for the good spirit that's been in this room. And Lord, that you would bind any evil that would try to steal your word this week. Lord, give us all a good week this week that we make our appointments. And Lord, also bring somebody into our lives where one-on-one we can share your word, the bread of life, with somebody who is lost without any spiritual food. They're famished, Lord. Let us minister to that soul. We ask all of these things in your name, Jesus. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Holy Spirit, be with us. Don't let us quench you this week. We love you, God. Amen.